and Savior Jesus Christ during this Christmas season. Morning. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I 
am glad to hear that. Excellent. My name is Austin. I have the privilege and the honor of leading worship here at Central Baptist Church Livingston. If any of y'all are visiting here for the first time, I want to be the first to welcome you and say thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. If you're returning, of course, welcome. Thank you for coming back. We're excited to see you and your families here this morning. This morning during our season of Advent, uh, real quick before I get there, I want to say if you are a guest, please take a time to uh, fill out a, a, a visitor card there in the seat backs in front of you. There's also offering envelopes if you came prepared to give. This morning you can drop off either of those at the exits as you leave. Okay, in the season of Advent, we are celebrating the uh, incredibly humbling fact that God came to us in the form of a baby. And so during this time, we're going to have welcome the Jackson family is going to come up, members of our church who are going to help us with our uh, second week of Advent candle lighting. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to them. They're going to share a scripture with us, and we'll pray as we continue our uh, worship service. I'm reading from Psalm 30, verses 4 through 6. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, for joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity I said, I shall never be moved. Should you bow your head, please? Father, we come to you this morning thanking you. Thanking you for your son. Thanking you for grace. Thank you for all the blessings that you've bestowed on us this past year. We ask that you help us to be good stewards for all the blessings that you've given us and help us to be prepared for the oncoming year. We ask to help us to keep us safe, keep us together as a church family, as a community, as a world. We ask you to help us to Bring us closer to each other and closer to you. We ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Let's stand and sing as we continue to worship together.
time of need. God, we praise you and you alone for you and you alone are worthy. Lord, our songs this morning were an offering to you, Lord, and I pray that you would continue to speak through your word and through our uh, concentrated time of prayer, Lord. We love you and we want this season to be nothing but yours. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to read for us before we pray this morning um, from Psalm 34. Um, listen to these words. You know, this music and music brings us to, to the throne, to him, to the Lord. And so this morning, just listen to these words. In Psalm 34, verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. And when the righteous cry for help, oh, the Lord hears, and he delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. You know, there is this juxtaposed place that we find ourselves in this day and age. We sing and we pray to a God who has given us this hope and this joy, and it is a joyous season, and that is laid alongside the suffering and the brokenness and the difficulties of this world. And that is why we have hope. That is why we sing of the hope that we have in Jesus. That is why we remind ourselves of what the Word of God uh, speaks of when it speaks of a God who not only came, but a God who is coming again. And so when we pray and when we talk to him, let's remember and let's filter all that we experience in this life, whether it's a cancer diagnosis or a tragic thing that happens in our community or something happening around the world like wars and things of that nature uh, or, or, or things and people and systems that are broken and dysfunctional and we see them and we grow frustrated with them and we see the frustration that we have with this world and the way that it is and the way that it functions and the way that it, it acts. Well, let's filter all of that through the word of God and through his word that reminds us and points us to a God who is near to the brokenhearted. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for how it points us to you. For Lord, without it, we would live in darkness. Without it, we wouldn't really know who you are. Lord, we wouldn't know and understand the specifics of your nature, the specifics of who you are, Jesus and what you came to do, we wouldn't understand and we don't understand why we are the way we are and our hearts are so far from you, God. We, we wouldn't understand uh, passages like Romans 3 and Romans 6 that bring us and remind us of who we are apart from Christ. But we also, Lord, would not know you on a personal level. And so we thank you, Jesus, for coming into this world. For Jesus, you came and you came not only... Um, on a particular day and night. But Lord, you live today. You live in our hearts. You live in this room. You are alive and well today. And we praise you and we worship you. God, we sing songs to you, Lord, because we worship you, because you are worthy of being worshiped. God, we follow you because you're worthy of being followed. We know, Lord, in our day and age, as we come into a world and we think about our world and we think about our own lives and all of the brokenness that surrounds us. That Lord, we thank you that this is not the end. We thank you that Lord, we can filter everything that we experience in life through your word. That we are met with a God who gives us hope. A God who provides joy. 
a God who provides peace, a God who restores us, a God who renews us, a God who, Lord, pours uh, your truth into our hearts that re, 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 recalibrates how we think and how we live. Lord, we know and understand that you're a God who loves us this morning. So thank you today for the time that we have to talk to you, to pray to you, to worship you. God, we've come to the end here of a week of praying for our missionaries and people around the world that are serving you, part of our mission organization, God, who are serving you around the world. And God, we come to you, Lord, on this Sunday morning, praying for them and lifting them up to you. We can't see their faces. We can't hear their voices. We can't walk in their shoes. We can't, Lord, live in the communities that they're living in around the world We can't experience and understand the discouragement and the difficulties that they're experiencing, but we know you do. We know you see everyone, and we know that you understand everyone, and we know that you've called everyone out of chairs and pews like ours this morning and gone and and given up their their livelihood and their businesses or their companies or, or the way that they were going to live their life, their plans, and they put them on the table and you called them out and you sent them places and you provided them and you equipped them. And we give and we pray to undergird the work that you're doing through them. And although we can't see their faces, we can't hear their voices, we can't experience what they're experiencing, we pray to a God who, Lord, understands everyone. And you know them intricately. You know what they're experiencing. You also know what's on the horizon. Not only the difficulties that they've experienced in the past, but the victories that lie ahead. The one person that's going to give their life to Jesus Christ because of years of laboring in a particular people group. That family that's about to give their lives to you because of the seeds that have been sown through personal conversations and relationship building in the homes of missionaries around the world. You see the things that that are about to happen. Your glory will be made known because the gospel never returns void. It is powerful, Lord. We believe that because it's changed our hearts and it's changed our lives. We lived in darkness, God, but you brought us into light. And so, Lord, we pray that same light would be, my, be mindful of that the, our, our, our missionaries would be mindful of that light this morning and that, God, that light would shine into the communities that they're serving in. Lord, we love you today. And we thank you for this service. But we also thank you for your word And as we turn to it this morning over the next few minutes, we pray that as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, as we remember the significance of this season, God, you would put your hand upon us this morning. For those of us who are Christians, Lord, draw us near to you, and Lord, stir us up to love and good works, to walk by faith and not by sight. For those of us in this room that are not believers in you yet, God, bring us to a place of understanding that and give us the courage to say yes to you. Open up our hearts that we would be receptive, that we would give our lives to you, Jesus, because you're worth it. You're worth it. Lord, we love you today. We pray your blessing on our time in your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Um, Hey, aren't these poinsettias beautiful? 
Yeah, thank you all so much for purchasing them. And we've got them around our campus. Some are across the way in the family center, down in the, the connection point over the children's building out in the lobby. We've got them everywhere. But um, hey, listen, we are, uh, the, the church looks beautiful. Thank you for all those of you who worked really hard to decorate and prepare the uh, facility facilities over the last uh, couple weeks. They look beautiful. And we are, uh, we're excited to celebrate that in, in honor of so many people that, in, that uh, provided these poinsettias. Um, hey, it was a great parade yesterday. Thank y'all for, for working on that float. Our kids look great out there in the float last night. The weather held off. That was great. Beautiful day. And uh, you know, it's Texas. We wear shorts and t-shirts one day and sweaters the next. That's what we do here in Texas. And so here we are a couple weeks from, uh, from Christmas. While I'm mentioning Christmas, let me say this. Two weeks from today, Sunday morning, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service in here on Sunday morning. We're going to celebrate the coming of Jesus. And at the end of that service, we're going to have a candle, special candlelight service as we typically do sometimes on a Sunday evening or the Christmas Eve evening. We're doing it in the morning and uh, we're going to celebrate that day. There'll be no Bible studies that morning. We're going to have a, a nice little refreshments out there in the lobby for those of you who can stay after the service is over. Same time, Christmas Eve, 9.30, uh, two weeks from today, and we're going to have a good time celebrating the, uh, uh, the birth of Jesus together uh, before we spend time with our families on Christmas Day. I want to encourage you to take a Bible and turn with me, as you see, to Psalm 45. We continue this very short series in the Psalms called The Return of the King. Uh, I love um, what the Word of God reminds us of and points us to during this season of the year. You know, we celebrate the coming of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus all year round. That's what we do as Christians. But you know, during this time of year, there was a very big emphasis that the Bible places on remembrance. God wanted his people to remember him, which is why they failed so many times to remember who he was. With difficult days and dark days and dark seasons, with what they could see with their eyes and feel with their emotions, so oftentimes in the Old Testament, they would forget the God who split the Red Sea open. They would forget the God and who he was, the one who brought about all the plagues in Egypt. And they would long to go back to Egypt, even though God had laid it to be in ruin before they left. They forgot about him, which is why during this Christmas season, it's so important for us and important for us throughout the year to remember different things about God. And we remember this season, the birth of Jesus Christ. We remember the coming of the King and the coming of the king who is not only going to, not only has he come, but he's going to return one day to be with us. This season is a season of looking behind, but also a season of looking ahead of us. Now, let me say this about the Psalms. The Psalms are put together in a book called the Psalter. Yeah, that's right. It has a name. So the book of Psalms is actually called the Psalter. Um, it's like a songbook. It doesn't have, it's not randomly thrown together, okay? So it's not like these psalms are randomly put in this book and they are, have no rhyme or reason. They actually have order to them. And so Psalm 45 comes toward the beginning of what is called book two in the Psalter. If you go back to Psalm 42, you'll see in your Bibles that it says book two right before that psalm. Because the Psalter itself, the book of Psalms, is put together in a specific order. And it has rhyme, it has reason, it has purpose, it has a direction to it, if you will. Psalm 42, at the beginning of, of, of book two, flows into the psalm we're gonna look at this morning. 42, 43, 44, and then 45, right? 
it flows into that. This is a section at the beginning of this book too, if you will, about God's people, people that were desperate for restoration. It's a section of the Bible, a section of the Psalms that have to do with God's people feeling helpless. They need help. They need rescuing. In fact, you see that. If you go back in Psalm 42 and you look at just a few of these verses, Psalm 42, verse 3 and 4, I want you to listen to the cries of God's people as these psalms are written and sung towards God. Psalm 42, verse 3 and 4 says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Verse 4 says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God and glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Down in verse 9 and 10 of that same Psalm 42 says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with deadly wound in my as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Over in Psalm 43, again, you see the cries of God's people desiring to be rescued, needing in help and restoration, so forth. In verse four, our chapter four, I'm sorry, Psalm 43, one and two says, vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. Verse 2 says, for you are the God of whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do, you, why do I go one morning because of the oppression of the enemy? In Psalm 42, we see it again. We see the same theme running through these few psalms here at the beginning of this book. O God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days. In the days of old, you with your own hand drive out the nations, but them you planted You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. Verse three says, for not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. It's a section about the cries of God's people. They feel forgotten. They feel forsaken by God. They are confused. They feel crushed. And they are wanting to know where God is. And yet... I want you to look at Psalm 44 one more time with me. And yet, in the middle of all of that, this is what the psalmist says in Psalm 44, verse 17. All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you. And we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart is not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. They appeal to God's covenant here. They appeal to God's promise to them, and we see this remnant of faith even among them. In each of these Psalms, 42, 43, 44, and they end in each of these Psalms with this declaration of hope, this declaration of help that comes from the Lord. But here is the question that is being asked. The question is an important question for us this morning. Will God answer their prayers? They believe that God is going to help them. They believe that there is hope on the horizon. Will God answer their prayers? Let me ask you this question. Will God answer your prayer? Your cries of help. Your cries for hope. Well, I gotta tell you that in Psalm 45, what we see here this morning as we are working through this series, last week a king's coronation, what we see here is a king's wedding and there is this hope that we find in Psalm 45. 
You see, what we find in Psalm 45 is a love song. It's a wedding song, if you will. And it has this groom and it has this bride that the psalmist speaks of. And we know in the Bible, as we saw last Sunday, there are several psalms that have double meaning. In other words, in the immediate context, when that psalm was written, there was a fulfillment that took place in that immediate context. Maybe it was King David or what have you. But in these psalms, in certain psalms called messianic psalms or royal psalms, a royal wedding song, as we see here in Psalm 45, there is this reminder that there is a fulfillment, a Messiah fulfillment in Jesus Christ himself. So how do we know that about Psalm 45? Well, the writer of Hebrews tells us that. In fact, if you go there, you don't have to go there. Look at it on the screens here this morning. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, this is what the writer of Hebrews speaks of in the New Testament. Now, leading into these two verses, this is what it says about Jesus at the very beginning. It says, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature and upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and became as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And then the writer of Hebrews goes on and speaks and he quotes multiple passages from the Old Testament coming back down to verse 8 and 9, which quotes Psalm 45. And this is what it says, but But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of unrighteous uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Verse 9, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, he has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your comparisons. Here is what the sermon, if you will, out of Psalm 45 speaks of. This is God's message to us, and here it is. Jesus is our Messiah that comes to rescue his bride. Jesus is our Messiah that comes and rescues his bride. When you look at Psalm 45, what we're going to unpack this morning and look at through this psalm is that you see and we see a majestic Messiah, and we also see the beauty of his bride. A majestic Messiah, but the beauty of his bride. You and I need to see it. You and I need to respond to it. First and foremost, I want you to see this morning in this psalm that Jesus is Messiah because he is our forever king. Look at the text with me again this morning. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. Listen to what the psalmist says. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, almighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the hearts of the king's enemies. The people's fall under you. The first part of the psalm is a love song. The first part is this love song between a groom that he is describing here in the psalm and a bride in which we're going to see in a moment. Four times the word king is used in the psalm. Look at verse 1, then down in verse 5, then look at verse 11, and then look at verse 14. You see king 
mentioned there. Three times the word forever is used in this psalm. It's used in verse 2, it's used in verse 6, and then it's used in verse 17. The purpose of all of that is to remind us, is to point us to that this, this Messiah, this anointed one who is a forever king. The backdrop of all of this, of course, comes from 2 Samuel chapter 7. We read it a, a week ago. The, prophecy, the prophecy, or the promise rather, of God to David about his own kingdom. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 12, listen to what it says. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, God says to David, I will raise up your offspring after you whom shall, who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity or sin, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. Here's the promise. But my steadfast love will not depart from you as I took from Saul, whom I put away from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your, king, your throne shall be established forever, forever. This is what God says to David. The Davidic king. God's going to put David on the king of Israel, or on the, on the throne, and, but his Davidic kingdom is going to, to go all the way through until Jesus Christ is born on this earth, and Jesus becomes the anointed one. Jesus becomes our Messiah. But I want you to draw your attention back to Psalm 45. How does the psalmist describe this Messiah? How does the psalmist describe Jesus, this king, if you will, this groom? Well, he's good, right? He's a good king. In every form of those words that we just read, they are good words. It's a good description, isn't it? This world is filled with bad kings. This world is filled with bad leaders, men, individuals who lead kingdoms. You can just read the history books and you will find king after king who led poorly. But here, this is a good king. This is a king that's described in a multitude of ways. He is blessed, of course, in his appearance. Look at verse 2. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips, therefore God has blessed you forever. There is a blessing in his appearance, but there is also this grace that is found in verse 2 in his speech. Do you notice that? That second line there in verse 2, grace is poured upon your lips. In other words, there is eloquence about this king. There is authority about this king. There is grace about this king and his words, which is interesting. Because when you look at the Old Testament and you just study Solomon and then you study David, here's what you find. These were good-looking guys. Solomon himself was a good-looking guy. David himself was a good-looking guy. And yet... When it comes to Jesus, who comes on this earth, that is not how Jesus is described. You know the pictures of Jesus as this handsome-looking Mediterranean guy? Well, listen, that's not how the Bible describes him. You know how the Bible describes him? Right here in Isaiah 53, it says this about Jesus, 53 verse 2. For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of the ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. He was an average Joe. And no beauty that we should desire him. He didn't captivate the room with his looks. He didn't have the majesty about him. He didn't have a beauty about him. And yet, listen to me, church. 
Today, he becomes and has become God's glory. He has become the focus of our worship. He's become beautiful. He's become glorious. He's become majestic. Just why it says in Isaiah 33, verse 17, your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. They will see a land that stretches afar. Oh, Jesus has become the center of our worship, hasn't he? He's become the focal point of our music. He's the reason why we get up on a Sunday morning and come to church. It's not just to see our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? That's why we gather together. That's why we we celebrate this season and why we celebrate this time of year. Because he is our Messiah. He is the one who has been anointed. Which is why in verse 2 in Psalm 42, this is why all of that has taken place. Because God has blessed you forever, he says about this king. He is graced in his speech, in his appearance, but he also was a great military strength. Look at verse three, four, and five. Gird your sword on your thigh, your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, verse four, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. And on and on he goes. He is a warrior king. He is majestic. He is ready to do battle, is what the psalmist is saying. But he is also majestic in his character. Don't miss this. Don't overlook it in verse four and five. He is great and he is noble. Why does this king do what he does? What drives this king? What drives this king and what he comes with? Look at verse four. His cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Meekness meaning humility also. This is what the Messiah king comes to bring. He fights, listen, he fights for truth. He fights for meekness and humility. He fights for righteousness. And what does it say about him in verse five? His arrows are sharp and into the heart of the king's enemies, the peoples fall under you. The peoples, meaning the nations of the world. These arrows pierce the nations. That's what this psalmist speaks of when it comes to this king. I think of Jesus. I think of how Jesus is described. Uh, You remember Jesus when in the New Testament when he is teaching, when he is speaking, there's a scene that comes about in John chapter 7 where the temple guards are listening to Jesus and they, they say, this man speaks in unusual ways. He speaks in unusual ways. He speaks as someone who knows the truth. I think of what it says in Roman, or Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white, white horse, the one standing or sitting on it, is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Oh, Jesus is the Messiah. He is our forever king. But he's not just forever king. You see, Jesus is Messiah because he is also God. I mean, look at where the psalmist goes here in verse six. He says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. 
From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Oh, he is the Messiah because he is God. There is a shift here in verse 6. Remember, in Psalm 2, as we saw last week, there's the king's coronation. The crown is placed upon his head. But here we notice the position or the place that he finds himself in. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. In other words, he says these words, right? Crown and throne and scepter and robes and palaces and kingdom and anointed eternal, anointing eternally. The king here is addressed as who? God, in verse 6. You notice that? He's now addressed as God, which elevates his status. And why do they call him that? Because he is God. Hebrews chapter 1, remember verse 8 and 9. He is God. The writer of Hebrews says that about him and speaks of him as God. But what we see here and understand is that the king is not only God because of what he has been stated to be God, he has been anointed by the Father himself. Look at the verse again. The scepter of your kingdom, the scepter of uprightness, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your congregation or companions. In other words, the, the, when, whenever you see the anointing of God, it is symbolic of the Holy Spirit himself. Luke chapter 4 verse 18 says this, the spirit of the Lord Jesus said is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and a recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus himself said this about him. When Jesus is baptized, comes out of the water, what does it say? The father of heaven speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and the spirit of God now rests upon him and now is in him and with him and now he begins his ministry here on earth. That's what Psalm 45 is speaking to here, the anointing that is upon the king. But the king will reign and look at how he reigns. He reigns with uprightness, verse six and seven, meaning right policies, right choices, right decisions, right actions. This is how the king is going to rule. He's gonna rule with authenticity. He's gonna rule with authority. He's gonna rule with integrity in every way. But notice what he's driven by. Look at what he's driven by. He's driven by a love for righteousness. This king, this anointed king, this Messiah is driven by righteousness in every way. He loves righteousness in verse seven, but what does he hate? He hates wickedness. He has just as much a love for righteousness as he does a hatred for wickedness, lawlessness, unrighteousness. Think about that when I think about our world. When I look at our world today and I see everything going on in our communities and I think I see everything going on in our country and I see everything going on around the world that is unrighteous, that is wicked in every way, you know, you think to yourself, well, what would Jesus think of that? Well, we know what he thinks of that. He hates it. There's an comp- incredible hatred that God has towards any unrighteousness in our lives, to everything we see in the lost community around us and in the world around us. He leads and he reigns with uprightness, is what the psalmist says. But the king is joyful, isn't he? I mean, look at what it says in verse eight and nine there. Your robes are 
I'm sorry, it says in verse seven, therefore God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. Gladness. This leads all to this climax in verse nine. Look at verse nine. The daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. It's a love song. The groom now we see the groom, we've walked through the groom, now enters the bride, an honored queen, a majestic queen in every way. You see, Jesus is Messiah because he is our forever king. He's God, but I want you to see here that he's also Lord in these last few verses because the focus now shifts to the response of the bride to the groom. Look at verse 10. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. The focus is upon the bride, not the groom, but the bride. And the focus is about how she is going to conduct herself. Let me say this to us this morning. The New Testament speaks of the church as the what? The bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. In fact, in the great passage in Ephesians chapter five, where the apostle Paul is describing how we're to have healthy marriages, he speaks of what the husband is to be and what the wife is to be and how we're to interact with each other as husbands and wives. It actually, when he speaks to the husband, he says this in verse 25 that flows into verse 27. He says, now as the church, I'm sorry, he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her and having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. What does Psalm 45 speak of? That the wife, or I'm sorry, the, 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 the bride is to do, and how does she respond to the husband or the, or the groom or the king in the story? Well, first and foremost, how does that apply to you and me? We're to worship him. Look at what it says in verse, 11, in verse 10. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear and forget your people and your father's house. We have these words, listen, consider, incline, meaning give your ear to or to forget. Verse 10 and 11. Forget where you were. Forget where you came from. And look, he's the future. He's the one that you and I, that, that we are to, to focus on. He is all that I want. He is all that I need. Look at verse 11. And the king will desire your beauty since he is your Lord. Bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the riches of the people. He desires beauty. We are to worship him. And notice in verse 12, there is this influence upon others. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the riches, richest of the people. We're to worship him. But in response to him being Lord, notice that we're also to honor him. Notice how it describes, the psalmist describes the, the bride in, verse, in verses 13, beginning in verses 13. All glorious is the princess 
in her chamber with robes interwoven with gold and many colored robes she is led to the king with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. The focus goes from the groom, what she's to do, to her chamber as she's preparing to meet the king, as she's preparing to meet the groom. We're to honor him. She was honoring him by preparing for him. The bride preparing for that. She was brought to the king in verse 13. We see in verse 13 and 14. And she is brought into his presence. And there is gladness and joy when we enter into the presence of King Jesus. And as he is our Messiah. So we're to worship him. We're to honor him but we're also to remember him. Look at verse 16 and 17. In place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all of the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. It returns to the focus of the king in verse 16 and 17. We're to not only uh, worship him and honor him, but we're also to remember his name, a name that will be remembered for eternity which leads to verse 17, we are to praise him. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will what? Praise you forever and ever. You know, as the church waits for Jesus to return, as we wait for Jesus Christ to return, don't look back. Don't focus on the past. Focus on honoring him today. Focus on remembering him. Focusing on obeying him today before the Lord Jesus returns again. The Bible says in Genesis chapter two, verse 24, this is the classic passage to describe what marriage is. Whenever I've done marriage counseling over the years or whenever I do premarital counseling, we unpack this verse. Because this is the first ever marriage. Adam and Eve understood what a perfect marriage was. Can you believe that? Before sin, They also knew what the first broken marriage looked like after Genesis 3. But before you get to Genesis 3, you get to Genesis 2. Adam is alone, but God brings Eve into his life. And when God brings Eve into his life, it says that he takes the wife, the bride, and brings her to Adam. And in Genesis 2.24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's marriage. Leaving behind. Cleaving to to one another and becoming one flesh. You see, whether it is a marriage or whether it is the church, it points us to Jesus Christ. And this is what God's called you and I to do as the church, the bride of Christ, to be ready, to be prepared, to do the work here on earth while we wait for the groom to return in Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And so focus my life, focus your life on living for Jesus Christ. Submit to him just as the bride submits to the king, to the groom. Love him. Give yourself fully to him. And hold on to the hope that God gives you until he returns and takes you home to be with him.
Can I say this to you this morning? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the hope that you have. This is the hope that we have. But if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, what God wants out of your life is for you to surrender your life to him and to give your life to him so that you might experience what it means to have eternal life, to have true peace in your life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. And we're gonna have a time this morning where we respond to what God says. Right where you're seated there this morning with your heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around where you're seated this morning, let me just encourage you to spend a few moments with the Lord right now. Don't think about anything else. But think about the one who is our Messiah, our anointed one, the only one who can do for us what we could never do for ourselves. He's come, but he's coming again. He's our anointed king. He's our forever king. He is God, and he is our Lord. And he is worthy to be worshiped and worthy to be praised. So talk to him about that right now. Thank him for what he's done in your life. Talk to him about where you are and your personal relationship with him. And listen to him as he leads you. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you this morning. So take a moment and pray. Talk to the Lord this morning. I'm a believer that the Lord speaks to us and guides us. I think if you're not a Christian and a follower of Jesus and you're honest with that question of asking him whether you're a true believer, he'll tell you. If you're here this morning and God has been leading you, maybe for some time, not maybe just this morning, but the Lord's been speaking to you about giving your life to Jesus Christ, his son, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity this morning to come and give your life to him. You know, there is no greater gift you can give to the Lord than your heart. And he has given you everything. He's given you his son. And in response, what God wants you to do is to give, he, give him your heart. If you're here today and you wanna give your life to Jesus Christ, I'll be here at the front. Not only to talk to you about that, but if you're here today and you want prayer over an individual or situation you're dealing with in your life, I'm available. There are people here that are ready to come forward and pray with you over any matter. Maybe God's been speaking to you about membership or baptism. Whatever the Lord's been speaking to you about, let me pray for us and then we're gonna stand and sing and respond to his word. God, thank you for... You are a God who keeps promises, and so thank you for that. The promise that you gave David, fulfilled in Jesus Christ in every way, and we thank you this morning for that reality, and we pray that God, as we respond to your word, that we would respond with faith, that you would give us courage, that you would give us boldness, that you would give us honesty and transparency about our own hearts with you, and Lord, you, God, would lead us down the path that you're leading us and calling us to. We know it takes courage. 
But on the other side of that, Lord, we find rest and joy in knowing you and being obedient to your word. So God, we pray for this time. We pray that you would honor and glorify it. We pray that you'd anoint it in every way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with us and let's sing. What can I give to you? What can I offer to a king for all the love you've shown? For all your mercy over me I called your name You heard my cry Out of the grave And into life My heart is yours My soul is free You God for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. The Lord speaking to your heart this morning. Feel free to come forward and receive prayer. The rock of salvation. My hope is built on nothing less. Morning by morning How great is your faithfulness I called your name You heard my cry Out of the grave And into life My heart is yours My soul For saving me, thank you, God, for saving me. Sing you gave, you gave your life upon the cross, you suffered once for all. You made a way Jesus in victory rose You made us all your own Now we are saved You gave your life upon the cross You suffered once for all You made a way
You can be seated this morning. All right, folks, listen, we're going to give our tithes and our offerings in just a moment, and we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Um, but let me just mention a couple of quick things before we leave today. Today is uh, lattes for Lottie. There you go. Lattes for Lottie. That's right. We got lattes. Do we have lattes in the lobby? Where are they? Where, where, where are they? Somebody help me out. Connection point, thank you. I didn't know exactly where they were. They're in the lobby too? They're in the lobby in the connection. I don't know where they are. I just know they're here somewhere. <laughs> hey, listen, help out Lottie, our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Help us out with that. You can donate uh, to uh, uh, Lattes with Lottie. That's going to be out there. I'm getting like this out here. They're in the lobby too. That's right, lobby and connection point, so you can head over there. Um, and uh, make sure you pick one of those up or pick some of that up and donate towards our, uh, our offering towards Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I'll come back to that in just a very quick minute. Um, don't forget this coming Wednesday night's our Christmas night of worship right here in this, this room at six o'clock. We're gonna have a great time with our children's choirs as well as our, our entire worship team will be involved in that. And then outside, right immediately following that, the weather looks good so far. Let's continue to pray for that. But we're gonna have s'mores outside and we're gonna have some Christmas music and some fun times out there right at the end of the service on Wednesday night, okay? And I wanted to mention that. Lottie Moon Christmas offering is this month, the month of December. We're collecting uh, towards that offering, and I want you to watch this short video to remind us once again to continue to pray, and let's be faithful to give. Рішення прийняв чоловік відправити нас. Я їхала сама, вся родина залишилася вдома. Ми в безпеці, так. І, звичайно, перші слова чоловіку, що ми в безпеці вже все. Ми на місці, ми в Польщі, нас добре прийняли. Poland brought in the most refugees out of any country. And through that, the Lord opened the door for us to open a refugee center. People stay in the house anywhere from two days to long term. We have one lady that's been there almost since it opened and is there currently. Так, цей дім взагалі для мене став як другий дім, тому що ми майже рік тут. Холі Крістін нас зустріла, ну, тобто реально так, я знову відчула, що я в безпеці. І мені необхідно було бути і серед людей, тому що, ну, також важкі часи, якось, ну, переживатися все разом було мені легше. Це наша друга мама, можна сказати.
we started a Bible study at the center. And one of the ladies one night was sharing with me that her family was against her um, studying religion or knowing anything about it. And she didn't know which one was true. And she said, so I just prayed and asked God if he would show me which one is true, which one should I believe, what can I believe? But then the war happened and I came here. And she's like, and then I realized that, that God led me here and he led me to you. And so she's like, and now I get to study the Bible and now I can learn. Those are the days that you leave super encouraged about what the Lord is doing. So those are good days. It is important to put faces with our giving, right? Um, you know, as a family, when you sit down and you discuss um, how we're going to give and be faithful to tithe um, and biblically tithe based on what God's word says, uh, and then at times give over and above our normal tithing like our family does to special offerings like the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, um, it, you know, and then I see faces like that, I'm reminded you put that lady there in that home. She's there because of your giving regularly throughout every year, throughout week after week, month after month throughout the year, but also to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Um, and so let's be faithful. Let's give. Our goal this month is $22,000 to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. The entire budget of the International Mission Board, I think it's almost 40% for zero um, or more of their entire annual budget comes through this one offering in the month of December collectively from churches around the country. And so um, we give faithfully to our IMB through our regular giving and our budget, um, but we also give special offerings like this, whether it's to the IMB or North American Mission Board or something of that nature. And so let's be faithful to give. This morning, you can give in person uh, right here. The boxes are right around the, the room. You can also give online um, through our website, and uh, you can just drop it off in person throughout the week if you'd like to do that as well, okay? Let's stand and let's have a quick word of prayer, and let's thank the Lord for his goodness in our life, um, but also let's pray for these offerings and these tithes that we're giving to him, that God would use them, multiply them, and continue to encourage many of us to give and involve ourselves in giving in the life of our church. God, as we worship you, um, we also worship you through our giving. And Lord, this morning we give to you our tithes, um, that portion of, of our personal budgets that we set aside, Lord, to give to your work, both locally and globally. We also give to you our, our, our offerings, and in particular this month, we have the opportunity to invest uh, in kingdom work around the world. And so we pray that you'd multiply us, multiply our offerings. We pray that you would find us very creative to give um, and find creative ways to give, like how we're doing it as a church this morning in the lobby and over in the connection point. God, would you find us, Lord, faithful and, Lord, joyful in the way that we give? Um, and we know you love a joyful giver. So, God, find us in that uh, and with that heart. Lord, we pray that you'd bless our week and, Lord, point us to people who need Jesus Christ this week. Um, our community, our world is in desperate need of hope peace, joy. Lord, you've put the gospel in our hearts and you've given us enough gospel to share with others. So Lord, help us to be found faithful this week and courageous to point people to Jesus. We love you. We pray that you go with us. Your blessing would be upon us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you so much. Oh, go tell it on